For just one corporate job, only four to six people will get an interview for every 250 resumes received. Those aren't very good odds if you're counting on that job. The fact is, you need a real person advocating to a real employer that is a real job, and that's where Express Employment Professionals come in. Express is your local resource to help you get a new job. Express has more than 18,000 jobs available weekly. That's 18,000 jobs that need to be filled right now. Find your nearest office at ExpressPros.com, and Express never charges a job seeker to find employment. Your locally owned Express office can connect you with available jobs in your community. On ExpressPros.com, find jobs in manufacturing, accounting, customer service, sales, distribution, and information technology, you name it. Visit the nearest Express office today to speak with hiring professionals connected to the available jobs in your community. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. ExpressPros.com. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. What a great guest we have for you this hour. Pat Boone has become a legend, of course. His titles of movie star, gold record-producing artist, best-selling author, Broadway show headliner, television star, qualify him as that. Charles Eugene Pat Boone has sold more than 45 million records, 13 gold discs, two gold albums, and a platinum record. Fifteen of his songs have hit the top ten, and his song Love Letters in the Sand was on the charts for, get this, 34 consecutive weeks, longer than Hey Jude or Don't Be Cruel. Pat has gone about as far as you can go from Nashville, Tennessee, where he grew up, and he planned to teach high school and graduated magna cum laude from Columbia University in New York. Another career intervened in those plans when he appeared on the Ted Mack Amateur Hour. That's a long time ago, winning three times and landing a recording contract. He has appeared in 15 feature films. One of my favorites, of course, Journey to the Center of the Earth. And here he is back on Coast to Coast. Pat, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you? Great, George. I'm doing great. And I, I listen, I, you're such a phenomenon. I was just trying to think of anybody on, on, in any, any area of communication who has done so well so long as you. I mean, gosh, you, you are le- you'd say, call me a legend. You're a legend in your own time. Well, let me tell you, you have, if, if I can be half as successful as you, Mr. Boone, I would be considered happy, <laughs> believe me. I mean, you keep going. You're never going to retire, and I hope you don't, will you? Well, I, I keep trying. I mean, I think of it. My wife begs me to. I, <laughs> I, I keep thinking I'm going to retire, but I have not been able to get the hang of it because uh, people keep inviting me to do things. and to be. I've done three faith-based films That's great. in the last 18 months, and these films are a new kind of trend in the movie business, films that are family uh, features, and, and some have faith elements in them. I did uh, An Old Man and uh, God's Not Dead 2 on a walker. I'm not, I don't use a walker. In fact, I play uh, tennis, single tennis. <laughs> yes, you do. With our friend Ed Lubin. But, uh, but I played a, a, a granddaddy of, to M- Melissa Hart in this film uh, on a faith question about whether a teacher can actually answer a question, legitimate, innocent question from a school kid in Little Rock, Arkansas, about whether uh, Martin Luther King quoted Jesus. Well, of course he did. And when she says so, uh, her the atheist student who tells his atheist parents and plays a tape of what she said in the classroom, and 
they come and they want her to be fired. The school tries to defend her. The ACLU gets involved. It becomes a national cause celeb. And I'm the granddaddy at home on his walker trying to encourage my teacher daughter. And so the film is very successful. But uh, when these things keep coming up, even though the casting directors, I think, in Hollywood now has put the word out that if they, if you want an 80-year-old who can still remember <laughs> his lines, get Pat Boone. <laughs> and he'll act well in a walker, even though he doesn't use one in real life. Right. I love it. Well, you have done something in your career that not a lot of people have done, and they're surely not doing it now, Pat, and that is you developed yourself successfully without getting down in the gutter. Yeah, you you don't use profanity. You're, no. you're, you're, you you have kept it wholesome your entire career, and that's really unheard of nowadays. There may be a few artists today that will do that, but by and large, uh, you know, th- th- they do things that I wouldn't put on this radio show. Right. And and you succeeded. Would you succeed today in this kind of environment with the kind of wholesomeness that you bring to the table? Well, George, I have to answer it this way. Only if I did it, if I could do it the way I did the first time. I believed, and I do now, that God opened doors for me. I often advise young people when they ask how I can get, how they can get ahead in show business. I first say, I say, don't. It's a tricky, treacherous, unfair business. There's no guarantee, even if you've got great talent and you work hard, that you'll succeed as you might in some other field. Don't do it if you can possibly do anything else. But, but if you're going to do it, make God your agent. And by that I mean an agent is one who opens doors, who creates, uh, who creates opportunity. And if you get an opportunity, tries to help you make the most of it and, and, uh, and support you in it. And I said, by the way, like most agents, God demands 10%. <laughs> but that it. was my... The reason I was able to wade through the very strong temptations and the, uh, not just personal, but I mean to do roles that I just felt I couldn't do. As you may know, I turned down a film when I was under direct contract with 20th Century Fox with uh, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, the head of the studio wanted me to do this film. And of course, I would love to have made a movie with Marilyn Monroe, but when I read the script, I realized I couldn't do it. It was about a young kid having an affair with a still beautiful but older woman, and and uh, and I told the head of the studio when I told him I couldn't do this film that I had millions of young fans who, in in some way or other, might imitate me and be influenced. Right. And I couldn't do that. And he said, "Well, this is medieval. This is this is dark ages. Why? This is a good role. You don't have to, you know, play just things that you live yourself." I said, "I understand, but this there's an influence." here that I think I just can't be part of. He said, we can suspend you, you know, and you'll be out of work. I said, well, do whatever you have to do, Mr. Adler, as Buddy Adler. But I've got to follow my own conscience. So they went ahead and did that film. We're not with me and Marilyn Monroe, but Joanne Woodward and Richard Beamer. It was a total colossal flop, but they put me into Journey to the Center of the Earth. And I love that film. Which was a giant hit, so it worked out very well. I, I remember watching that as a kid. Yeah. Not, not that I'm aging you by any means, but I mean, I just thought that movie was so good. And it was. It was really well done, and sort of, it was not like anything else that was going on right then. And for that reason, I tried not to do it. Can you believe it? I, 
I wanted to do movie musicals, just like Bing Crosby, who was my role model at the time. And this was a science fiction, Jules Verne story. But they, the head of the studio said, look, we'll put music in it. You can sing. And I said, it's still science fiction. But they talked me into it, finally, and my agents, by giving me a piece of the film, George. And I didn't think that would ever amount to anything because of the way <laughs> the studios do their books. Yeah. But it turned out the film was much bigger than they expected. And then it kept coming back and being re-released. And, of course, they hadn't even thought about DVDs and TV and videotapes. So it has been a very lucrative uh, uh, turnout for me. And it, all, it wouldn't have happened if I had done the story with Marilyn Monroe. That's, do those royalties still keep coming in yeah. from, from films like that? They do. They sure do. That's great. I had a percentage of profits after they reached the, their, you know, their, their budget, after they had recouped their budget. And they, you know, a science fiction film, which they spent a lot of money on, big sets and all kinds of special effects and all of that, they went whole hog to make it great, and they did. But they did, it did earn its money back. In fact, George, nobody knows except the, an executive at 20th who told me that that film saved... 20th Century Fox. They were going under because... Wow. Uh, I did not know that. Cleopatra, Cleopatra, Richard Burton, and Elizabeth Burton were filming at that time, and they were going off to Spain pursuing their affair and their personal interest, leaving hundreds and hundreds of extras and the whole movie company stranded in Rome. And, um, and, and, and the banks were getting fed up with it, and they were going to pull the plug and shut 20th Century Fox down. But Journey to the center of the earth, came out and took off at the box office in a big way and convinced the bankers to, to play along with, uh, with 20th and Cleopatra a little longer. 20, I mean, uh, Cleopatra never did recoup its budget, but, uh, but at least it did well enough that, that 20th could stay afloat. So my decision to, to, do only, to follow my own conscience was not only good for me, it was good for 20th Century Fox. That's right. Paid off. I remember when Andy Williams passed away, the great singer, and I had you on to talk about him. Yeah. And you had told us that incredible story how you were offered Moon River, yeah. that great song, and turned it down. Yeah. That shows I don't make all the right moves. I, <laughs> Henry Mancini came to, to my house on a sunny afternoon. He had uh, recorded a, a choral version of a song he'd written, for uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. And uh, he said, I think this, this has a nice lyric written by Johnny Mercer, and, and a male singer ought to sing this. Would you be interested? And I listened to it. I said, Hank uh, Mancini, I said, that's really beautiful, but, you know, it's not a love song. It's about a river, Moon River, you know, wider than a mile. I mean, there's other movies, <laughs> uh, river songs, like Old Man River, Up the Lazy River. Yeah. And, and I don't think the song can be a big hit because it's not a love song. So he was disappointed, and uh, he went over to see Andy Williams. Andy liked it <laughs> and, and thanked me. He was grateful to me the rest of his life. Well, it was like his theme song, wasn't it? It was his, in, his theme song. He named his very successful theater in Branson, the Moon River Theater. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this, and you know what he did, George, which I, had not occurred to me, was sing the song, even though it was about a river, 
sing it like a love song. And that's what he did. <laughs> Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.